With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coming up on the Hockey News pregame show, Patrick Waugh making an impact immediately in Long Island. Corey Perry's back in the NHL, this time with the Oilers. Will it work out? And joining us from Arizona is our Coyotes site editor, Remy Masti, to talk about the surging Coyotes in the second half. I'm Ryan Kennedy. I'm Michael Trikos, and this is the Hockey News pregame show, brought to you by BetMGM and NorthlandHockey.com. What's up, hockey fans? Welcome to the Hockey News pregame show. I'm with Ryan Kennedy, as always. And Ryan, the Patrick Waugh era has begun in Long Island. Yes. Uh, begins with a win in overtime. Come from behind win for the Islanders. And uh, I love this move. I don't know how you're feeling about Patrick Waugh being back in the NHL, but eight long years since he last coached here. Too long, in my mind. Yeah, I am I'm tentatively excited. Um, oh, come on. Show some excitement for Patrick Waugh. Well, I'm excited. I, I just I don't know if it's going to work. It might. Mm. And I think, you know, I tweeted about this after the hiring. I, I will say that a lot of coaches do better in, this, in the NHL the second time around. You know, Craig Berube, probably one of the best examples, Stanley Cup winner with St. Louis, you know, previously was head coach in Philadelphia, didn't work out that well there. Uh, we were talking with some other examples before Bruce the Bruce Cassidy, show. Mike Sullivan. Yeah. so it, there's, It's rare to find a guy who strikes it rich on the first go-round. Exactly. So it's... Patrick Wall's got that going for him. And obviously, mm. you know, his time with the Quebec Remparts, where they were an elite major junior team, you know, he ended his tenure with a Memorial Cup. You always want to go out on top. Um, and the Islanders, you know, I mean, they were not a bad team when he took them over. They were still very much in the hunt. Obviously, they, they needed to improve. They've, they've, at this point, still only won three of their past ten. Yeah. Um, and as we've talked about so many times, the Metropolitan Division is just a huge crush of good teams. Like, Columbus is the only team that's really truly out of it otherwise anybody from pittsburgh up could be a playoff team so it, it i think the timing so was tight. right for this yeah i was gonna say it is so tight i'm looking at the standings right now and you know with that win and the islanders play tonight they got the golden knights um so if they win tonight they'd, they'd be in a theoretically in a three-way tie for a wild card spot with the detroit red wings and the tampa bay lightning um, but you're right. New Jersey Devils are you know two points out of a playoffs uh, a wild card spot. Uh, the Capitals are three points back. Uh, Penguins brutal loss last night. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just out of it. They got 48 points, so they're trailing uh, those teams by what is it? My math five points. So yeah, <laughs> it is tight. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's probably going to remain that way. Let's let's be honest. Totally, it will. And you know we've seen that bounce that teams have got replacing their coaches already this season. The Edmonton Oilers, uh, who we're going to talk about in, uh, in the next segment, are the best example. Uh, they've been red hot uh, since bringing in Chris Knobloch. But 
I, I do wonder too. I, I feel kind of bad for Lane Lambert because he was such a good assistant coach for so long, mm-hmm. and sometimes that transition just doesn't work. Yeah, you know, it's like you go from being kind of the good cop to the bad cop, and unfortunately for him, for whatever reason, it, it just didn't turn out. I know a lot of people are saying that the roster that GM Lou Lamoureux had given Lane Lambert wasn't good enough. Now we'll see if that's true. Can a new voice in Patrick Waugh, who has already said, um, you know, things are going to be a bit different, you know, just tactically and what he wants to see from his team. Uh, Stefan Rossner, our uh, Islanders uh, team site writer, has uh, already done a couple of articles on that uh, just based on the debut and, and Waugh's comments. It'll be interesting to see if this Islanders team can get on track, especially defensively, Mm. because we're used to them being very good defensively. That has not been the case so far this season. Uh, They're currently a minus 20 goal differential on the season. That's not what you want to see from a team that has trouble scoring anyways. Uh, Last, I think it was last week I looked it up, they were like bottom three, maybe bottom five for shots against Mm. in the NHL, and when is that? Like, uh, yeah. when do you say that about the Islanders? Yeah. Um, and I'm with you. I think Patrick Waugh is going to bring in a little different X's and O's. But going back to Stefan Rosner, he had an interesting piece today about the difference behind the bench, um, specifically how much Patrick Waugh is talking behind the bench, how much he's moving. Mm. He joked that he'd love to put a Fitbit on him because the amount of steps he's taking. And it's, right. it is a definite difference from Lane Lambert, who was quiet, more reserved. Um, you know, the Islanders do a great job of, you know, we were watching this before we went on, a, a cinematic, cinematic um, recap of the night before game. And they mm-hmm. had him in the dressing room. And you know, he said all the right things. And it seems like he's going to bring positivity in a way that the Islanders probably need. And I'm with you. This team, as constructed, um, there's a lot of holes. Offensively, I don't think they're there. Um, so. He's, he can only do so much, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, you heard Sean Avery say it. The Islanders are a scary team now. Well, that's the thing, I don't too. want to play them in the playoffs. That's the thing, right? Is like, and that's how it's been kind of in the Lamorello era is, okay, in the regular season, they're just kind of whatever, mm-hmm. but they don't need to flip a switch in the playoffs because they always play that structured game. You know, when you have Ilya Sorokin in net, right. then you know you have one of the best netminders in the NHL. And so with Patrick Watt, I think it's going to be very interesting because you mentioned that enthusiasm. And going back to when he was in Colorado, he was very enthusiastic. Oh, boy. You know, banging on the glass. Trying and, to get you know, in fights, man. Getting into it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, maybe it's just a little bit of a spark because, I mean, the Islanders, it's essentially the same group that it has been for years now. Like, there's not a lot of roster turnover. When that franchise buys into a player, they really buy in. So, you know, whether it's Casey Sezikis and Cal Clutterbuck, Scott Mayfield getting a huge extension, you know, obviously Matt Barzell, Brock Nelson, Anders Lee at the top. You know, you can kind of name some of the same guys, Adam Pellick, Ryan Pollock. You know, there's not a lot of variation year to year. It's kind of the same group. So if Patrick Waugh can just kind of give them a bit of a boost and uh, just a different voice, maybe that's what they need to snag that wild card spot. And then all of a sudden, you're looking at a team in the first round that is quite happy to play a 2-1 playoff game for seven games. That's not fun if you yourself have Stanley Cup aspirations. 
You surprised that uh, a team didn't try to snatch up Patrick Waugh before this? Like, I know he, he wins a championship in the queue last year. Yeah. Um, he said he wanted to coach in the NHL, so it's like, you imagine he had his feelers out there. Mm. I'm just shocked that, you know, we're at the end of January and he's finally getting uh, a team. Like, hello, the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, mm. they could have used a guy like Patrick Raw right now. And if I'm Patrick Raw, I think I'd rather go to a team like Toronto where there may be a, a coaching change away from being a cup contender versus the Islanders where I don't know what the ceiling is for the Islanders, but getting in the playoffs is probably a successful season for Patrick Waugh at this point. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say on that is, you know, when Patrick Waugh was with Colorado, <laughs> essentially they launched the analytics revolution by being so bad at <laughs> analytics. And yeah. I think he was joking about that the other day. Still doesn't pronounce it right. Right. And I don't know if that's on purpose or not. Yeah, really. He's still got some uh, venom towards, <laughs> you know, the Corsi movement. But, you know, the one successful season he had in Colorado, he rode Semyon Varlamov and incredible goaltending into the playoffs. But we could see it wasn't sustainable. No. Right? So I, I think a lot of NHL teams would say, is he an NHL coach? Like, you know, it works better in junior and, you know, he's, he's a great motivator and things like that. But if you don't have a strong goaltender, does it all fall apart? And if you're Toronto, one of the big questions all season has been, who is our goaltender? Yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, it doesn't get any easier in that Metro. Um, let's go quickly here. Uh, Tom Fitzgerald, uh, Devils GM, uh, gets an extension. Mm-hmm. Um, nice show of faith for... You know, a guy who's, you know, he's made some great offseason moves. Uh, he signed up a lot of their young talent. Um, but the Devils right now are right there with the Islanders, tied, literally tied with them uh, for, you know, ninth place in, in the East. Mm. Um, what do you make of this? I do like it. Um, I think that, you know, a, a big thing for New Jersey this year has been injuries. That's the one thing a GM cannot control. You know, mm. Dougie Hamilton goes down. Jack Hughes has missed some games. Jonas Siegenhaller has missed games. Like, you got a lot of prominent players who have not played the full first half. You can say the goaltending has been a bit of a letdown. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know the goaltending market was very difficult this summer, uh, especially when Winnipeg re-signed Connor Halebuck. Yeah. So for me, it's like, yeah, I mean, he, he, he made the roster. It was a great roster on paper. Injuries have been tough. You can't blame the GM for that. Yeah, quickly. Uh, Devils or Islanders? Who makes the playoffs out of those two? Uh, I'll I'll say the I'll say the Devils. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm leaning Devils too. Yeah. Other big news this week: Corey Perry back on an NHL roster with the Edmonton Oilers. Um, Mike, obviously, the circumstances of Corey Perry leaving Chicago still murky. Yeah. He says he's ready um, mentally to come back. What do we think of this move? Does this make sense for Edmonton? Oh, this makes perfect sense. Uh, if I was going to drop a list of teams that Corey Perry uh, could go to, uh, easily Edmonton was going to be at the top of my list. Um, you know, connect the dots. Corey Perry gets your team to the final. <laughs> right. You might not win a final. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once. Yeah. Uh, but he gets you there. Um, and for the Edmonton Oilers... You know, especially where they are right now, I love this move because it's not like they're saying, we need a savior. We need someone to get us out of the basement. Mm-hmm. Like, they're riding high on what could go down as a all-time consecutive win streak here. Yeah. And now you're adding Corey Perry, and you're just like, okay, don't mess things up. 
And to that end, you don't have to say you're going on the second line with Leon Dreisaitl. You could work him back in the lineup easily on the fourth line or the third line and just see how things progress. But I love this. I love this from Corey Perry's perspective. He's going to a team that matters. And again, from the Edmonton Oilers, this is exactly the kind of player that a Connor McDavid needs um, when you're looking at what I guess a lot of fans are hoping for is a long playoff run. Yeah, I think, you know, that experience in the dressing room will certainly help. Uh, But also, you know, if you look at the Oilers in terms of uh, where their points have come from, they're very top-heavy. The top six Mm -hmm. has been excellent. And then you're really not getting anything from the bottom six. And, you know, obviously when you have McDavid and Dreisaitl, Zach Hyman having another awesome year, um, you know, you don't necessarily need that right now. And clearly if they're winning so much. But when you come to the playoffs and goals get harder to find... And, you know, that speed that McDavid has gets not neutralized, but certainly muted a little bit because of just the teams you're playing are better. It's a matchup game at that point. It's a matchup game. Corey Perry, to me, you put him even on the fourth line. If he can chip in a couple of goals here and there, that's exactly what you want from him. You know, he'll go to the net, you know, he'll do the greasy things, he'll upset the opposition, he'll play physical. These are the things, I I think you're totally right here, where you don't need a guy playing 21 minutes a game, you don't need him on the top power play unit or killing penalties. You just need a role player who's been there before that is not scared of the moment. 100%, and his playoff numbers are just kind of outrageous for the kind of role player he's become in the last several years. Like last year with Tampa, and they go out to Toronto in the first round, but he still gets two goals in mm-hmm. that series, uh, two goals in six games. The year before, he's got six goals for the Lightning uh, when they go to the final and lose to Colorado. Um, he is just a guy like, I know he's not the, you know, Rocket Richard trophy winner, uh, Corey Perry, but he still yeah. goes in front of the net, like you said. Uh, on a second unit power play, I think he's going to be effective. And, you know, let's look at the Oilers lineup right now. Like, you're not going to touch that top line where you got McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, and Zach Hyman on right. the right side. But I could see Corey Perry very soon, maybe not initially off the hop, but playing with Dreisaitl, Kane um, on that line and replacing Warren Fogle. Mm-hmm. And wow, what a gritty line that would be to have Kane on one side and Perry on the other, and you got Drysaddle in the middle. Yeah, and the interesting thing there is Warren Fogle's been red hot during this streak. Yeah. So is Ryan McLeod. So maybe a Ryan McLeod Warren Fogle combination on the third line still reaps rewards as well. It'd be very interesting. No, I like this move a, a lot. And, you know, we don't know what happened in those last, uh, what basically uh, led to him being available. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, two months of. Past. This isn't like a. I would have had a problem, I think, with this if we were talking like two weeks. Right. After um, he gets let go by Chicago. Mm. So it looks like he got everything back in order. Um, he dealt with whatever problems he was going through. Um, time to breathe a bit. Mm. I think this is the perfect time uh, for him to come in. And, you know, I wonder now if this kind of precludes the Edmonton Oilers going big at the deadline. Like, this is sort of your deadline move in my mind. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Speaking of redemption stories, Jack Campbell has won four straight in AHL Bakersfield for the Condors, uh, allowing two goals or less in each of those games. So are we feeling 
a, re <laughs> a return of Soupy in Edmonton, or do you kind of say like, you know what, things are going fine, let's just roll with what we got? I wouldn't touch the goaltending right now. <laughs> not with how things are going. It's yeah. one thing to bring Corey Perry in, right? but I'm not bringing Jack Campbell in his... You know, Jack Campbellisms back into the dressing room right now. Right. I like the guy a lot. I'm really happy that he's, you know, he's finding his rhythm again. Mm -hmm. But, you know, stopping pucks in Bakersfield and stopping pucks in the NHL is a whole other beast, especially when you're talking about a big market. Oh, is it a big market team? But it's a, it's a Canadian market. It's a Canadian market. Yeah. Yes. Um, pressure cooker of a team or yes. a market um, in Edmonton. Yeah, I'm not touching the whole Skinner Pickard uh, duo right now. Fair enough. Yeah, especially because Stuart Skinner has been just on fire. Ridiculous. And and Pickard has been great as the backup. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, I think, Jack Campbell. Enjoy California. <laughs> I mean, it's not the beach, but whatever. It's, uh, it's still warmer than Edmonton, I would presume. I um, and then real quickly here, let's go to Toronto, because... Can't talk about Edmonton without talking about Toronto. I well, they're going to meet in the final, right, Ryan? <laughs> exactly, right. Uh, Ryan Reeves, the enforcer du jour that was brought in on a three-year deal. Um, what's going on? He's getting a little squirrely there. Hasn't played <laughs> in a while. And uh, feels like something's got to give there. Yeah, word is that he's ready to come back. Um, the other word is that he's the 14th forward on this team. Um, maybe 15th forward, depending on how you want to outline your depth chart. So mm. it's a difficult spot. I, I think, you know, eventually this is going to come to um, the point where the Leafs are either going to have to, you know, put him on waivers, uh, assign him to the minors, or try to find another home for him. Uh, the problem is he's on a three-year contract, and he ain't that young. He's 37 years old. True. Um, and that enforcer role, I know we've been saying this for the, probably the last decade, but it's becoming less and less and less important. Mm -hmm. um, there's a reason why, you know, Ryan Reeves has bounced around from, you know, the Penguins, the Golden Knights, the Rangers, to the Wild, to the Leafs in the last, what, six years now. Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, this, is, this might be one of Bradshaw Living's biggest uh, mistakes that he made in the offseason. And, you know, he made quite a few of them, it, it's looking like. So I don't see a role for Ryan Reeves on this Toronto Maple Leafs team, um, especially with the way that Nick Robertson is start of, starting to play um, as he gets back into the lineup. So, you know, it, it, it's looking like Ryan Reeves is probably going to be a, a minor leaguer for the rest of this year. Mm. Okay, here's a question. Because it's funny, we talked about, you know, uh, Tom Wilson insurance in past years, right. and Reeves has off, often been the counterbalance there, but Washington might not make the playoffs. But if Toronto plays Florida in the Ooh. first round of the playoffs, which right now they would be, do you have Reeves in the lineup as a counterbalance to make sure Nick Cousins doesn't do something egregious, to make sure Ryan Lomberg doesn't do something yeah. egregious, to make sure Matthew Kachuk doesn't do something egregious? That's a good point. Um, that's really the only scenario I could see him coming in. Maybe it's like a game three scenario where, mm -hmm. you know, Cousins has taken a run at Matthews and Ryan Lombard has been just in front of the net and just in the goalie's grill. Mm -hmm. Then you're going, okay, let's go get a Ryan Reeves and bring him into the lineup sort of as protection. Mm. The only problem is, what is he playing, like six minutes a night? Yeah. Like, but how, how much of an impact can you make? Yeah. See, this is where I'm a horrible person, and I say, like, if I'm the Leafs, I, you know, I put Reeves in the lineup, and he basically goes to the Florida bench and says, 
if any of you do something, I'm going to break Alexander Barkov's jaw. <laughs> And the Leafs won't care if I get suspended because I only play six minutes. You're a such night. a mild-mannered guy, and <laughs> your mind goes to these places. It goes to dark places, but it's yeah. like if you're trying to win a Stanley Cup, hundred percent. Try to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, you know what? You know, Leaf fans' memories are probably short. You remember Radko Gudis standing over your goalie. Uh, you remember what Matthew Kachuk did. Um, Sam Bennett. Yeah. There's a lot of you know, snarly players on that team. That's right. That being said, I think a Corey Perry is a better deterrent against that mm-hmm. than a Ryan Reeves. I just, I don't see Ryan Reeves as a pest kind of player. I right. see him as more of a, okay, we're going to drop the gloves. Are you ready? We're He's gonna a go. nuclear option. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? You bring in the, the Tom Wilson factor. Like, I covered that series. It was Reeves, Wilson. Every time they were on the ice, mm-hmm. it was a, a thing. And you noticed him. Yeah. But that was so long ago now. Like we're talking 2018. Since it's then, true. Ryan Reeves has sort of become a, a non-factor, unfortunately, mm-hmm. in the NHL. And I just don't see, you know, anyone really wanting to go toe to toe with Reeves on the Florida Panthers or anyone in the NHL. We're pleased to be joined by Remy Masti, our Arizona Coyotes editor and reporter. And Remy, crazy game last night against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And what most people are talking about, aside from the score is that Chris Letang goof, gaff, whatever you want to call it. You know, I'll, I'll set the stage here. Um, delayed penalty, um, Pittsburgh's goalie's out of the net. Letang tries to make a drop pass to Evgeny Malkin, and this has got to be every hockey player's worst nightmare. Malkin bobbles the puck, and it goes in the old net. You were there. What did you make of this play, and have you seen anything even resembling like this in the past? I have not seen anything like this Michael it was truly crazy at first it was more frustration when they got that penalty because they committed a penalty earlier in the game when they were on the power play so it seemed like they really couldn't get anything right on the man advantage and all of a sudden Latang tries passing the Mulkin he can't get a hold of it and he just has to watch it while it goes in the net Mulderina obviously went crazy and post game coach Andre Tierney and Jason Zucker both said They've never seen anything like it, only on TV. So, obviously, it was a crazy experience. And, and fun fact, Ryan, first time ever in NHL history, a power play goal was scored without a single shot on net. That's pretty wild. And, you know, Remy, it's, it's been a, a pretty interesting season for the Coyotes. I don't think expectations were too high coming in. We thought, okay, it's still a rebuild. Um, you know, this isn't going to be a playoff contender, but... Arizona's hanging around. What do you make of this particular iteration of the Coyotes? Why have they had some success? You really see a lot of fight and resilience from this team. They're not the most skilled on paper, I guess, if you really look at it. But they have a deep forward group led by Clayton Keller, who Coach Andre Tierney said is playing his best hockey right now. He was named to the All-Star game again. He has 19 goals, 23 assists, and 42 points. But beyond that, there are a lot of other guys contributing, like Matisse Michelli, Lawson Kraus, Nick Schmaltz, Nick Bukestad also who came in, and Logan Cooley starting to find his game as well. And the addition of Sean Dursey defensively has really helped them, I think. And, of course, the emergence of Connor Ingram, who I thought should have been named an all-star and is playing like a top goalie right now. Let's talk about Logan Cooley because, you know, going into the season, he might have been uh, one of the candidates uh, along with, you know, Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli. A lot of people were thinking, okay, 
one of those three or all three of them are going to you know, battle it out for the Calder Trophy. And uh, it's been kind of an up and down season for Cooley. Uh, four goals, 22 points after 45 games. Um, that being said, he's 19 years old. I don't know what the expectations were, but what have you made so far of uh, his development? Yeah, I kind of agree with you that it's been a little bit of an up and down season for him. He's had some growing pains, obviously, shown flashes of his great offensive potential and speed at times, but he still needs to develop more into a two-way center role. But I feel like recently he started to find his game more, especially being paired with Dylan Gunther. He's playing on the power play still, and obviously it's going to take some time, so um, it's going to take patience. But right now, I think Cooley's starting to find his game, which is important. And I think next year is where you'll really see him take that next step. Uh, and uh, another player that you mentioned that certainly has found his game is, is Connor Ingram. This is a player that has had a couple of sort of false starts in the NHL. We've seen him with a couple of franchises, but really feels like he's found a home for himself with these Arizona Coyotes. What's the confidence level in Connor Ingram right now? They have a ton of confidence in him right now. It's strange because at the start of last season, he was just a backup. And this year, he's really found his game to the point where he's taken that starting role over Carlo Vimelka. It was goalie by committee in the beginning of the season, but Ingram has been so strong that they just have to stick with him right now. He's at times saved them in games, carried them, through this stretch and I think he's a huge reason why the Coyotes are still in the playoff hunt right now. Yeah and that they are like two points back of the Nashville Predators for that final wildcard spot in the West Remy. Uh, handicap this for us. Uh, wh- why are the Coyotes going to make the playoffs in your mind? I think that like I said before they have everything. They have the goaltending play. They have the deep forward play right now and defensively They may not look great on paper again, but they have guys who contribute who are fast and they're starting to find their groove defensively as well. So they have the team to do it. And obviously coach Andre Tierney is, has really changed the culture and he's a huge reason again, why this team is playing this way. Yeah. And it's funny. I want to ask you about uh, coach Tierney, AKA the bear as, uh, (laughs) as he's been known over the years. What kind of impact has he had? You know, we talked about Patrick Wall coming in with the Islanders, but what is that culture under Tourney? What does it mean to be a Coyote today? He's really known as a player-type coach. All the players love to play for him. And with the media, he's very straight up. He's blunt. He says exactly what you need to hear. He's the, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. And I think his practices are tough as well. Whenever, obviously, the team slips a little bit, he makes sure to let them know, and he makes sure they have a tough practice after that, which is why I think they've stayed disciplined through this whole season. Hey, Remy, if this team gets to the playoffs, what, what do you think it's going to be like uh, at Mullet Arena? And what have you made so far? This is like year two in uh, this experiment, um, this temporary home. Has it become a home for the Coyotes, and have they been able to t- kind of tap into that collegiate crowd? I think they do embrace it to a certain extent. It will be interesting to see if they make the playoffs. I don't know where us media members will be because they might need to sell those seats over there. I have no idea how it's going to work exactly. 
but 5,000 fans for a playoff game will obviously be a very interesting experiment. But I think it's just a unique place to play more than anything. Obviously, some people may say, oh, it's only 5,000 fans. It, this shouldn't be an NHL environment. But it doesn't feel like that. It feels like more at times. Right. And uh, just sort of wrapping up on that point, Remy, where do the Coyotes fall in terms of overall exposure in Arizona right now? Like, what's the pecking order when it comes to, to pro sports teams and, and just people talking about them? Um, right now, obviously, the Suns are the top team. They're playing well. They have guys like Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. So they have those stars. And basketball is huge in Phoenix. Football is always going to be big, so the Cardinals are going to be a factor, and the Diamondbacks just made the World Series. So I really think that if the Coyotes win and they continue to play well, then they'll get more exposure, and I think they'll get more notice as well. Awesome. Remy, thanks for joining the Hockey News pregame show. Coming up after the break, we got a new segment here, Thumbs Up and Thumbs Down. Welcome back to the Hockey News pregame show. We're going to do a little thumbs up, thumbs down right now. We're going to zip through some topics, starting with all-star game replacements. No Connor Bedard. We knew that already. No Jack Eichel now. So there will not be a Hawk or a Golden Knight because their replacements are Kyle Connor of the Jets and Vince Trocek of the Rangers. So thumbs up or thumbs down to those two versus the field. I'm going to go two thumbs down, Ryan. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not, for each player, basically. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. Get a player from that team if you can't... Uh, if Connor Bedard can't go, we should have had a Blackhawk. Um, same thing with the, the Golden Knights. This tells me that you know, there was a lot of guys who probably said no. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Until they got to you know Vincent Trocek on that list, or mm -hmm. maybe even a Kyle Connor. But um, let's just talk about who I would have liked to have seen. Uh, Zach Hyman having a career year. This might be the only time he's a legit all-star. Mm -hmm. He's also from Toronto, had played for the Leafs. It makes so much sense. I would have loved to see him there. Another guy, Brad Marchand. Obviously, do I have to talk about the Bruins-Leafs uh, rivalry? Again, a perfect guy for fans and for haters as well. Right. Wouldn't it be amazing if the way the teams worked out, you had like Matthews, Marner, Marchand? Yeah. On a, that would have been all-star game fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Marchand would like break kayfabe to do that, <laughs> but that would be awesome. I'm going to go one thumb up, one thumb down, because Kyle Connor, for me, legit all-star. Sure. And he has the skill set that's fun, right? Because he's got that wicked speed. Mm -hmm. He's a great goal scorer. So for the purposes of an all-star game, I want to see Kyle Connor. Trocek, I mean, nothing wrong with him. He's a solid player, but Mark Stone. Mark Stone leads Vegas in scoring. <laughs> he is an incredible player, and maybe he had an all-inclusive resort booked, and he couldn't get his deposit back. I have no idea. That Turks and Caicos, man, they, they don't offer refunds. There you go. So, you know, I, or Jonathan Marsh or so. Yeah. Con Smythe winner. Stop making sense, Ryan. Yeah, I know. But I do know that these guys booked their vacations, as Seth Jarvis pointed out in Carolina <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm one or the other there. Next one. Will Lockwood suspended three games. Uh, Florida Panther. A little headshot violence on Marc-Andre Fleury, the goaltender of Minnesota. 
What do we think about three games? Thumbs up, thumbs down. I'm going to go again. Uh, thumbs down. I, I, I get where the NHL is coming from, uh, similar to the NFL. You want to protect uh, the important players on the ice. If you're the NHL, important players on the ice are the goalies. Yeah. Um, I think it was the fact that it was Marc-Andre Fleury probably added maybe a game or two to the right. suspension as well. No, there's a big love affair with Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, how can you not like this guy? Yeah. Uh, that being said, I didn't think the play was that egregious. Um, I thought it was, and we talked with David Dwork on the last pregame show, I thought it was maybe worth a, sus- uh, a fine, uh-huh. but not a suspension. At the most, maybe one game. Um, so maybe the Panthers' reputation is started and starting to build here, right? Well... That's exactly what I was going to say. I'm going to go thumbs up on this because okay. I feel the Department of Player Safety is saying, we're watching you, Florida. Yeah. Nick Cousins, we're, we know what you've been doing. Like, I kind of feel like some of the Panthers are like, what, what? Like, yeah. you know, oh, I don't know. It's just things happen, right? So, you know, maybe Will Lockwood is paying for the sins of some of his teammates here. But I do like the fact that the NHL is like, you hit his head. You can't hit his head. He got hammered in a fight right after, though. Isn't that pain for the sins? Well, I mean, frontier justice, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're the NHL, you can't say like, well, he got into a fight, so it's okay. Because that would just set a terrible precedent. Best so. part about this, though, Mackie Samsovich is back in the lineup. There you go. Love Mackie. There you go. Yeah, definitely a great prospect for the Panthers. So mm-hmm. nice there. Okay, thumbs up or thumbs down. Oilers breaking the Penguins' all-time consecutive wins record of 17. So I guess what we're saying here is, do they do it? I'm going to go thumbs up. Um, I think getting past the Calgary Flames was the one that I was nervous about. That being said, there is what you're calling... Trap game. Trap games coming up. Uh, I think they got Columbus. Yeah. Um, maybe Chicago. Some kind of weaker teams coming up. Um, but, you know, you get Corey Perry... Riding high off a win against the Flames. I could see this going 17. I could see this going 20. Mm. I'm, I'm only going to say thumbs down because I believe in trap games. Yeah. And I believe in weird stuff happening. Like, like I don't think Corey Perry is going to be in. He's not going to get into the lineup right away. I think they said they might, you know, they want practices and things like that. Uh, but it'd, it'd be one of those things where it's like he joins the lineup and plays well and they lose. Like, it's just one of those weird Murphy's Law things. It, it's so tough. To have a streak like that these days. So I think there's going to be a trap game. All right. Last one here. Connor Bedard. Is he still the favorite to win the Calder now that he's going to miss an additional six weeks? Originally, we thought four to six weeks. That's what was announced. Mm -hmm. It's been a couple of weeks. Now they're saying six weeks. So that pushes things even further. So... Thumbs up, thumbs down on Connor Bedard for Calder. Uh, it seems like this is a trend now. Thumbs down again for me. Mm. Um, six weeks is a lot of time. Um, basically, what are we looking at? 15 to 20 games? Yeah. Around yeah. there? Yeah. Um, Brock Faber and Marco Rossi are only six points back of Bedard. You know, six weeks later, I think Connor Bedard is probably going to find himself maybe even outside the top five in scoring, mm. um, depending on how these rookies perform. So no longer the favorite in my mind. Um, can he win it? Sure. Um, but he's going to have to go on a, quite a run when he comes back. I agree. I'm going to go thumbs down on this because I think the games played is going to be the problem. In terms of points per game, you know he could still end up as the top rookie. But I think if Brock Faber continues as is, 
playing the minutes he has, playing the effective minutes he has. Like, he's not getting caved in. Like, right. it's positive when Brock Faber is on the ice for the Wild. He had a three-point game the other night. He had three assists. Uh, him and Kaprizov went off. Right, he's averaging almost 25 minutes a night. Yeah. And he's a plus five. Yeah, exactly. So, Brock Faber's playing really well. So, to me, that's the... Um, you know, the case where with the Calder, it, you know, typically it's the highest scorer that gets it unless you see somebody on either defense or in net that has a tremendous season like Steve Mason when he basically right. willed Columbus into the playoffs, you know, way back when. But uh, you don't have to be a playoff team to win a Calder. Certainly not. It's not like the other awards in my mind because yeah. typically... You're a rebuilding team. Yeah. If yeah. you're going to get a high pick like Bedard. Exactly. I mean, having said that, like, you know, Minnesota right now, are they dead in the water? They're close to it, um, you know, but at least they're somewhat competitive. But with Favor playing those minutes, I mean, that's just wild. Yeah. No pun intended. So <laughs> you meant it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I will tease this. In the next issue of the Hockey News, you will find some Brock Faber and Marco Rossi courtesy of yours truly. Brian, you know what time it is, right? It's rapid fire time, my friend. All right, our favorite time of the week. Producer Connor, hit us up with some questions. All right, well, I'm going to continue segment four. Ah. My own thumbs up or thumbs down. Okay. Rutherford <laughs> in Vancouver, sign a contract extension. Thumbs up or thumbs down? I'm going thumbs up on that one. I think that Rutherford has been great for the Canucks. Uh, certainly given a lot of support to GM Patrick Alvin and, and the front office there. Mm -hmm. And right now, I mean, Canucks, first in the Pacific, first in the West, can't argue with results. Uh, I'm agreeing with you. Uh, big thumbs up for me. Uh, I love Jim Rutherford's move so far in uh, Vancouver, like you said. Uh, how can you argue with the results? Um, although, uh, caveat here, um, let's see what that Elias, Elias Pedersen contract is going to look like because yes. if he cannot get him signed or if the contract looks unwieldy, then that thumb up could turn into a thumb down real quick. Fair enough. All right. Well, I'm sort of continuing. I'm really going off of the show today because segment one, we talked about Patrick Waugh. That causes me because... It obviously meant Brad Lambert was fired. Lane, Lane Lambert. Lambert. Lane Lambert. Brad Lam <laughs> Who is Brad Lambert? Brad, Brad Lambert is the Winnipeg Jets Winnipeg prospect Jets. and yes. Lane's nephew, so you're not far <laughs> off. There you go. Yeah. Same family. Who's the next coach to get fired in the NHL? Dark. Dark Connor. I, right, I right. know. I feel that, and this is weird, Pascal Vincent in Columbus, I know he just started, yeah. but it feels like that was not the answer. <laughs> and then, of course, if things go south in Toronto, Sheldon Keefe would be... Hey, you got to have one answer, okay? You can't take my <laughs> answer. Fine, fine. I'm going with Sheldon Keefe. Um, yeah, we're end of January. If a, if a coaching change is going to happen in Toronto, it's going to happen probably within the next month. You know, it could very well happen right after the All-Star game. I don't think they change coaches going into the All-Star game. I think that would just be a lot of kind of turmoil and... You know, I too many want, media around. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> want to put you know the core four through that. Yeah. But after the All Star game, if the Leafs are still looking kind of like, what kind of team are they? Are they a playoff team? Are they a Stanley Cup contender? Are they going to be same old, same old? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a coaching change I could see happening. Interesting. Uh, I don't know if this counts, but Ottawa, Jacques Martin, maybe. 
even though he's an interim? Yeah, I think because he's an interim, it's kind of like we expect somebody else eventually. I don't think they want to do him dirty like that either. True. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. All right, we're going to go positive now mm-hmm. in a similar vein. Who's the next coach outside the NHL to get hired? Outside as in like not a recycled coach? As no, no, or no, just no. like somebody who doesn't have a job right now? Someone that doesn't have a job right now mm. or is in the AHL. Gotcha. I'm going to go Craig Berube. Mm. I, know, I know there's some other options out there, but he's a Stanley Cup winner. And he can, and he, he can turn things around. So I'm going to go Craig Berube. Yeah, I love that answer. Jeez, Ryan, you're taking all my answers today. <laughs> um, I'll go Dean Evason. Um, mm-hmm. Similar comments about Berube you could say about Evason. Uh, he didn't win a Stanley Cup, but players like him, um, he's, he's going to get in the NHL eventually. Mm-hmm. So I imagine, you know, whether you're going to circle the wagons, you're going to get Berube. If you don't get Berube, then I think Evason's the next best guy. Yeah, that's a good call. Jay Woodcroft, Erasure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see any team currently signing a current free agent? i.e., when does Phil Kessel finally get signed? <laughs> well, this is an interesting one because I know there's a December deadline for certain players, but is that for everybody or is that just like RFAs? RFAs. Only. RFAs, RFAs only? Okay. Yeah, because Eric Stahl, when uh, he went to the Olympics, um, the word was he was going to get signed right after coming back. There you go. So Also, Corey Perry just signed. Oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Phil Kessel. <laughs> I want it to happen. It would be amazing. I think you you have to look at you know what would the scenario be. I you know what I could see Phil Kessel getting picked up, especially if you have a team that expects to do well in the playoffs and say runs into some injury trouble. Um, Phil Kessel would be a perfect option there because he has so much experience. Even even with Vegas last year in the in the postseason, he didn't play much, but. The stories coming out of the dressing oh, yeah. room were of Kessel's impact. So could he go to New Jersey, for example? Would that be a fit where it's like maybe he barely plays, but just his presence is a net positive? I'm with you. You know what? We talk about Ryan Reeves as that dressing room glue guy. Phil Kessel is in that same vein. He's mm. not going to drop the gloves, but he's going to be a guy to kind of keep it loose. Yep. He's been on three Stanley Cup winning teams now. Um, two of those teams he played a huge impact on. You're right, Vegas, he didn't even get in. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of like leaning the same way you are. Could the Colorado Avalanche take a, uh, a chance on him? You know, maybe if Jonathan Druin doesn't work out, Phil Kessel's right there. Interesting. Very interesting. All right, my last question. Who is the best logo in hockey does not have to be an NHL team? So this is a fantastic question. <laughs> and I was thinking I'll, way how too much, much time about do we it. Have yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know I love this stuff. Jerseys as well. I have to go with the AHL's Milwaukee Admirals, the Skeleton Pirates, or I guess he's a Skeleton Admiral. It's such a sick logo. And the colors, like double blue, I love it so much. So I'm going to keep it simple, Milwaukee Admirals. Uh, I'm going Quebec Nordiques. Um, I love that logo. Let's get a team back in Quebec City with the igloo and the stick. Makes so much sense. Listen. This was the Hockey News pregame show. That's Ryan Kennedy. I'm Michael Trakos. Thank you again to NorthlandHockey.com and BetMGM. I'm going to see you next time at the rink.